Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Today we are going to talk about deepest gratitude and highest praise. And you know, it's so funny for me, Thanksgiving has always been my preferred holiday. Um, over Christmas, Thanksgiving and Easter, kind of my two faves. But um, I resonate deeply with the songs that we sang this morning. And my favorite hymn has always been Great is Thy Faithfulness. It is the one that to me just, it is it is right. It is true. It is great is his faithfulness to us in every season, in every day, in every morning. And um, Weirdly enough, you, you have different layers of revelation of that, right? Like the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the salvation of God, the kindness of God, like all the stuff that we experience, there are layers of revelation to it. And generally, we don't get the deeper revelation until we go through some lousy period of time. Right? Most of the time, it's not like it's in the highest of moments that we're like, oh, God is so good. It's in the deepest of moments. It's in the things that he walks us through. And so I feel like even as we're headed into you know, this fall and, and um, the shift that has happened in the last even five years in people's lives, like Pastor Brad said, the, the stories that we get to hear, people have been through a lot. People have walked through and experienced God in such radically diverse ways. But every one of those stories lets us know a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of the goodness of God. And so we want to talk about that. And I am hoping that this weekend you are getting to sit around a table with somebody and be thankful thankful that you get to have, you know, a, a meal of some kind and share break bread together and talk about the goodness of God. Talk about how he's poured out his blessings upon your life. But I want to know that, um, I want you to know that even as we gather as a church, there's a deeper place that we're meant to get to. That even if you didn't have a place to gather around a table with somebody, and even if there wasn't a feast on the table, he's still worthy of our praise. He's still good. And that is the deepest gratitude and the highest praise. It's the place that God calls us to that is more than just superficial. And the way I kind of look at it is like, I, I love it when, um, you know, like our G babies come over and they, they, you give them a snack or whatever and they're like, thank you. Or like they get told to say that. What do you say? Thank you. And it's really good because it's very important that they learn these things. But it probably sticks more for me when somebody sends me a thank you note and says, thank you so much for, because it meant this to me that you were this or you did this. And I, I read that card and I feel honored. I feel blessed because somebody took the time to say thank you, right? So there's, there's benefit and value in the kids saying thanks for the snack, but there's more benefit and value in somebody saying this is how your life impacts mine. Does that make sense? And so I believe that that's kind of what's meant to happen with God, that we have these, we can say, you know, thank you for the house, thank you for the car, thank you for the food, thank you for the whatever, and we should, but we also on deeper levels need to be able to say thank you for being in my life. Thank you for the breath that I breathe. Thank you for being there in every morning. Thank you for being there in every night. Thank you for being on the mountaintops. Thank you for being in the valleys. Thank you for who you are to me. And that is next level gratitude. So we want to dig into that a little bit today. This thank you 
you know, it's something that actually should come naturally, but it doesn't always. And so we know that the word talks about, you know, the 10 lepers and the, the 10 that were healed, one comes back and says, thank you. That gives us an indicator that it's actually not supernatural for us to just automatically be grateful that there's a pull in another direction that makes us just want to make off with the stuff. <laughs> like, this was awesome. Yay. And, and forget to say thank you. They, they were no doubt appreciative of getting their lives back, but the deeper gratitude was only cultivated in the one. And so we want to dig into that deeper cultivate. There's this... Um, thing, this natural drift towards discontentment that is in our society. It's in the earth around us. This place of like, I don't, I don't ever have everything that I want or desire. I don't ever have everything that I want or need. And most of us, if we've been to, like Pastor Brad talked about the third world countries, most of us, if we've been out of country and we've been to the place where the other 99% of the world lives in a place of lack, and you see kids with like one toy, like one soccer ball in a community and they're happy and they're joyful and they're laughing. There's a level of gratitude that doesn't happen sometimes when your kid in a Canadian setting opens 10 presents. You know, and well, I didn't get the thing that I wanted. What is that? What is, what is happening there? And Romans talks about it. Romans 1, 20 and 21 says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, God shows himself all around us. He is the ultimate place, the, the destination of our gratitude. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, this, the simple verses, one verse, rejoice always. The next verse is, pray without ceasing. The next verse is, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. Literally, we got people who are walking around going, I have no idea what God's will is for my life. Well, this is actually a starting place. It's literally to be in this relationship where there is a basics of rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. So that, that gives us a little indicator that God wouldn't ask us to do something or instruct us to do something or command us to do something if it wasn't built into us to do it. Does that make sense? The very basics of how we function, how we operate in life, when God gives us a directional instruction on it, it's because we have the mechanics for it. So if that's there, it's like the, the eternity is hidden in our hearts. There is something in us that is made to worship, and it will find something to worship, right? So we, we drift. We find these things, and before God, or sometimes even after we found God, we can drift to find something that the eternity that's hidden in our heart wants to land on. Gratitude is the same thing. In everything, not for everything, in everything give thanks. There should be this place where your heart wants to reach out somewhere to give thanks, to, to be grateful, to be connected. And if it's not connected to the living God, it will be connected to something. And so we will chase, we will pursue a place because our heart needs to find something to be grateful for. Now here's the, the dichotomy that we find in our human experience is that we know we should be grateful. And, and you know, parents, we've all said this. There are kids that would love to have what you have. 
right? We would say that. We, we, would, we, we talk about, you know, our food that way. We talk about our housing that way. We talk about our vehicles that way. I should be grateful. I know I should be grateful. And there's a, there's a weird thing that happens when people who know God, who are in relationship with him, can get baited into that kind of thinking. That I, I know I should be grateful, but I'm really struggling. If that's happening in our minds, something needs to get realigned with the truth, the core reality of who God's made us to be and how he's made us to connect with him. So let's just say today that the deep gratitude of the heart is a God-made design that only finds its truest anchor in him. It means that if we are struggling with feeling gratitude, the anchor may be misplaced. There may be some superficial or natural or earthly things that we are anchored on, and it's causing us some problems. And so I believe today God wants to just make sure that we land squarely in the right spot. If gratitude, if in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God uh, for you, if that was dependent on circumstances, how does that apply to the people who are being martyred right now? How does it apply to the people who've lost their homes in the last couple weeks due to hurricanes and sea storms? How does it apply to the people who've been displaced entirely from their homes and their churches and their communities in the Ukraine? How does it apply to the people who eat one meal a day maybe? If, if we are to give thanks in everything and it is circumstantial, why would God say that if it can't be applied? This level of gratitude, this kind of gratitude, it's deeper than that. It's the same kind of gratitude that whether you are the CEO of some multi-million dollar company and you live in a mansion and you've got all the fancy cars or you are actually imprisoned for your face somewhere, it's the same gratitude. It's the same, it's this thing that God has put on the inside of us and it's a strength, it's a lifeline, it's what he deserves and it's what feeds our souls. And so we're going to lean into that. We need to understand how this works. The basic mechanics of gratitude are very fascinating. There's been a ton of studies on it. We've talked about it before in this house, but if you Google it, search it out at all, Pretty much since like um, 2013 particularly, there's been a lot of studies from all the major universities and hospitals and mental health places. But gratitude actually has this benefit that changes our lives. It literally, there's five main spheres in your life and about five streams within each sphere that gratitude and a life of gratitude actually improve automatically when, when we're living in a place of thankfulness. When we're living in a place of gratitude, our life improves. Right down to like stress reduction, um, mental health, sleep issues, uh, relational issues, success in the workplace. Like it is, it is literally every part of life is affected by gratitude. And so they try and get people to just start things like gratitude journals or sending thank you notes, you know, send a thank you note every week or every day or whatever, but just choosing to be thankful, choosing to be grateful, and they see these radical changes in how people actually deal with life, how their spending habits change, their time habits change, like it's this major breakthrough. The problem is it bumps into us. It bumps into how our brains work and it bumps into our culture that is stuff obsessed. And so what happens is our minds have these um, responders that when we're experiencing something new or something wonderful, like you, you experience it as a kid, you get a new toy. 
you get a treat, you get a whatever. And on up through adulthood, when something new and wonderful happens, your brain goes off like, this is so exciting. This is so good. I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful for my new car. I'm so grateful for my new house. I'm so grateful for my new shoes. I'm so grateful for whatever it is. It might be super simple. I'm so grateful for you know, that I could go to the doctor. I'm so grateful for food on the table. I'm grateful for these things. But after a while, the way our body is designed, it starts to minimize the effect of that. So it starts to tell us, you don't have to be jacked up all the time. Like, this is now normal. And so it's that thing that happens, like when you first fall in love with somebody, you marry the man or woman of your dreams, and you're like, jackpot! He is the one! She is the one! I am so excited! I'm so grateful! And then year two, three, four, if you're not paying attention, Boy, did I get suckered in. I did, I did not see that one coming. I did not know that she did that. Did not know that he was like that. Okay. And you start to drift. That, that chemicals that are in your body, your, your way your brain responds, actually just pulls it down so that you're not in a heightened state all the time. It's actually for your survival, but it causes a problem because suddenly the secretary is looking good. Right? Suddenly the, the, the guy down the street's looking good. Suddenly these things, suddenly my house isn't good enough. Suddenly my car isn't good enough. Suddenly this stuff that was a blessing not that long ago is now just this meh. And we are drawn towards actually pursuing the feeling that comes with gratitude without maintaining the gratitude. So instead of maintaining the gratitude for what God has blessed us with, we change it. We pursue the feeling by going after more stuff, more things, more experiences, more breakthroughs. We can get addicted to um, adventures and change and doing things where we just, we just have to have something new in our life instead of cultivating the gratitude. Now here's the weird thing. Some of you might have already experienced this this weekend where it's like it's Thanksgiving weekend. I should sit and be grateful for what I've got. And you might, you might even make a list. You know, that's a good thing to do. You might make a list and then you might be like, I, I am truly grateful for these things. I don't feel anything about it. I'm not feeling like super grateful, but I'm, I'm grateful. Like I have gratitude, but I'm not feeling grateful. The weird thing is the way your, your body chemistry works and the way your mind works is that even when psychologists are using this as treatment, they will say that the first day that you choose to be grateful, you won't feel a thing. In fact, if it's been numbed out by chasing things that make you feel grateful, it will take up to three months before you have the sensation of gratitude. Isn't that weird? It could take up to three months to feel grateful for what it is you, were, you should have been grateful for in the first place. But we have to train ourselves to go back into this. Now, why does this matter? Firstly, because some of us just need to decide to do that. That might be helpful for you today. Like, you don't actually need a new house, a new car, a new spouse. <laughs> You don't. You need to be grateful for what you've got and celebrate the goodness of God in your life. But we need to know that gratitude is more sustainable when we are wired to the relationship of where it comes from than the thing itself. So it's not about what we are grateful for, but who we are grateful to. And the who we are grateful to, his mercies are new every morning. 
So that new sense of gratitude, when it's wired to him, it's wired to the source, there is actually a sustainable flow on the inside of me that knows that I need him and I'm grateful for him every day. Now, I would say within the church, within the body of Christ, I think we've become a little bit superficial in this same way at times where we watch people who are like brand new believers, they're experiencing him for the first time and they're like, it is awesome to like... God, like, I feel so new. I feel so hopeful. I feel so clean. The torment is gone. I'm sleeping well. Like, I, I feel like I can actually have hope for the future. And some of us, we've been saved for four, five, six, ten, fifty years. And we're like, God, I prayed for that and it didn't happen. Why hast thou failed me? And I, I think we're focused on the stuff instead of the giver of life, right? We have to get back to that core thing. And so I was thinking about we're going we're gonna to walk through a song this morning because this is, this is something that I've been experiencing the last few years. But let me just lead you to launch off with Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. And it's already been mentioned this morning. If you want something to be grateful for, maybe you're not happy with your living situation, your marital situation, your financial situation. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. That's a good start. The fact that you're not a ball of dust and ash right now is strictly the Lord's mercy upon you, upon me. The fact that I'm breathing today is his mercy. I am not getting what I deserve, and that's a good thing. And so because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Let's just leave that verse up there for a minute. What am I grateful for? I'm grateful for. In my life, I mean, honestly, I, it might be from the outside, people might say like it's, must be so easy to be grateful. It is in, in the practical ways. I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for my grandchildren. I'm grateful for our home. I'm grateful for, you know, I get to work in this awesome place. I'm grateful for so many things in my life, friends and family and beautiful things. But the deeper stuff has been this, particularly in the last five years. The Lord is my portion. What am I grateful for? The Lord is my portion. He has walked us through hell and back. He has walked us to the mountaintops and through the valleys. And this is the truth. And so we're going to pick apart today the song that we sang this morning, The Goodness of God. Does anybody remember when you heard that song for the first time? And did you cry? Anybody cry? You cried the first time you heard it, the first probably 10 times you heard it, 20 times you heard it. We, we, most of us did. And it's this interesting song because Jen Johnson wrote it. It's a kind of a team effort in the recording, but it came out in 2018, 2019 in the recording. And it didn't actually come from a super, super deep place for her. They were in the process of adopting. Um, God had spoken to them about someday they would adopt and it had opened up that they were going to be adopting this little boy and she was driving home and started just singing out these words about the faithfulness of God and um, something happened that it just took root like it when it was released it's one of those songs that just blitzed the earth there's been two in the last major season um, the first one was that one the goodness of God and then the next one was the blessing that came out just at the beginning of COVID and I believe 
believe that God gives us soundtracks when we're going through things on a mass scale that give us something to hang on to in the midst of the dark times. In the midst of when it's going to be difficult, here's your soundtrack. Here's what you hang on to. Here's what you sing. Here's what you let to sing over you. And so I have... Um, I love this song. Like the first time I heard it, it resonated with me because, like I say, Great Is Thy Faithfulness is my favorite song. And so this, this new version, it's like a new anthem for this generation, singing about his faithfulness. And the words of it just resonated with me, and it was so beautiful. And the thing that I've found, though, is that the deeper feelings, the deeper gratitude, the deeper ability to sing a song like this comes through the pressure. It comes through the testing. It comes through the difficulties. It comes through learning to find out, you know, you say you stand on the word, but do you really? I have this thing, and I'll just share my, one of my own internal weird things. It's apparently relatively normal for C-section babies to have a strange concept of death. Has anybody experienced that? Where literally you have, I have always had, since I was little, I have always had the top five ways I don't want to die. I know, it's weird. But that, not, not afraid of death, not anything like that, but it, just a sense of death. And I believe it's a spiritual thing, you know, that has to get prayed through and broken off. But essentially, it's this thing on the internal, because your life is at risk from the very, very beginning, that you, you are fighting to survive. And so this fighting to survive kicks in. And so, you know, I have, I have always had this sense that if, if it gets really bad, like if, I, if I'm in one of those circumstances, if I'm facing death, like what will my response be? If I'm facing difficulties, like to that level that my life is at peril, what will my response be? And I, I had just always, I don't know why, but just like as a teenager, as a young adult, I kind of just wrestled through that. I, I hope that I would stand on his word. I hope that I would stand in faith. I hope that I would believe. I hope that I would be true. And let me tell you, the last five years, I, it's been tested. It's been tested in, in our own family. It's been tested in this house. It's been tested in friends. It's been tested in a lot of ways where literally the promises of God, that the, the concept of his nature and who he is gets put to the test. And we find out, will we stand? How do we really believe? What are we really standing for? And so this song shifted gears and I was telling Wayne I'm like you know even just preparing I'm like I don't I don't know if this is wise for me to go here because um, I feel like it's what the Lord is asking but I went from the first couple times singing it in like oh my goodness this is the most beautiful song like I love you Lord your promise your mercies never fail us like it's just this beautiful song of his faithfulness and now I've sang it in so many hospital rooms and at so many funerals and in so many times of trouble and struggle, so many deep, you know, prayer meetings and times when people are needing a miracle from God, the times when people are at a crisis of faith, that it has taken on a completely different 
Uh, role in my life. And I've seen people go from, you know, there are times when there's the breakthrough and it's like, yes, Jesus, you know, and we're singing. I sing of the goodness of God because he's so good. And there's times when you look around a room and everybody's singing it with tears streaming down their face. I will sing of the goodness of God. And it's a different kind of thing. And there's times when there's people who are just, they've, they've not experienced the miracle that they were hoping for and they're still singing it. And it, you can tell it's a sacrifice of praise. And the depth of this song, I feel like, gives us a soundtrack to understand truly what gratitude is. Truly what praise is meant to be. And we need to have those moments. It's, God promised us that there was going to be hard stuff. That we were going to go. We weren't just like we, we came and we met him and we experienced Jesus' love and now our life is perfect. Just fantastic on every front. I mean, he is the miracle working God. He blesses us. We are absolutely the head and not the tail, above only and not belief. But it does, but doesn't mean that it's going to be just absolutely rosy every step of the way. Sometimes we are going to have to choose faith. Sometimes we are going to have to choose to speak life. Sometimes we are going to have to choose to do the right thing. And this, I feel like, is the balance to what we're talking about Tuesday night. Crazy faith. Like, absolutely, God is calling us to believe for the exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask, think, or imagine. But we won't have the faith in action in our lives if we don't trust the one who's promising it in the first place. If we don't have that, that root, that foundation that I believe he is good and therefore I stand in faith. It's a missing piece. It's a bridge that's broken. And so let's walk through this today and just see what this looks like. The first verse, we're going to just literally pick it apart. I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. The depth of these words, it's a beautiful song, right? It's a beautiful song that just you want to sing it. And every once in a while, I catch myself with like... I mean, we love worship songs around here. Every once in a while, I catch myself thinking, can I back up what I'm singing? Because just because it's coming with a tune doesn't mean I'm not declaring this as a promise to God. I actually am. I'm actually saying it. You know, we, there used to be this song, um, Eagle's Wings, that Darlene Jack wrote. And in it, she was like, it says, bring me to my knees. And it was after we'd done it as a church like 10, 15 times that I was like, that's a terrifying line. What does it take to bring somebody to their knees? I'd rather fall to my knees myself. You know, what is, the, what is the thing that's going on here? But this, I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me. Even if you lose your job. Even if somebody dies. Even if the promise didn't manifest like you thought it would. Even if you're living on a budget that you thought was unsustainable. Even if you're in a town you don't want to be in. Even if what? Your mercy never fails me. The truth is the word mercy here, depending on your translation, it's also translated loving kindness. 
the descriptors in the word, if you break this down, the mercy or loving kindness, it tells us that essentially it's in the use of the word, it's not God deciding to be merciful. It's a characteristic of his nature. It's not something that he's like, oh, yeah, you've done pretty good. Mercy for you. You know, yeah, you, you did all your devotions this week. I'm going to show you my loving kindness. Good girl. Like, it's not about us. It's his nature. It's his character. It's who he is. It's built into this thing, this core char uh, characteristic of who he is. It is literally his mercy that holds us and sustains us. It is, according to the word, his kindness, his compassion, and his mercy that keeps us from getting what we deserve. Now, a lot of people, if we're works-based, if we're works-minded, if I, if I don't get what I deserve, that feels like, well, that's not fair. Because I did all the right stuff. I'm doing all the right things. And I deserve an answer. I deserve a breakthrough. I deserve something. The problem is, if we got what we deserve, again, we would all be ash. We would all, we, if we got what we deserve, our lives would be taken from us. If we got what we deserve, judgment would fall. But we get what he offers us, this loving kindness, this mercy, this grace, this compassion. What salvation offers us is the opportunity to not get what we deserve. That's the gift. That's, that's the gift that we ac accept from him. It's this thing where we get to experience it is him that is holding us together. And if the circumstances of life don't go the way I want them to, I've got him and he's enough. And sometimes we don't find out that he's enough until it gets hard. Sometimes it's not until you're treading water for, you know, 30 days or whatever that you really appreciate that life raft that gets thrown your way. We don't always appreciate the stuff that, that is the very presence of God, the very life raft, the center that's keeping us alive. We don't always appreciate it if we're focused on the stuff. I did all the good things. I should get what I deserve. No, the mercy of God takes that out of the equation. Like Pastor Brad said in the offering, it's the fact that he blesses us, it's not because we do everything right. It's because he's a good God. It's because he, he blesses us because he's a good God. Lamentations 3.22 again. Though, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. It goes on and it says, all my days I've been held in your hand. And this is one of these verses that, you know, the, it's biblical. It's completely biblical. But watching people go through the hard stuff and knowing that not everybody had the, the blessing of a really gracious childhood or upbringing or whatever, there's people in this room, people who are watching online that have been through the worst of experiences, the worst of traumas, the worst of brokenness, have experienced loss upon loss upon loss. Can they sing this song? Or is it only for people who have had a good life? What we would call a good life. Can we all sing this song? And if we can all sing this song, if we don't expect two-thirds of the congregation to drop out every time we sing this song, if we can all sing this song, we've got to know it's deeper than circumstances. Correct? Like we, this is so healthy for us to dig into this. It's so healthy for us to go past the circumstances of life. If we can only sing of the goodness of God when everything is perfect, he's not that good. 
But if he's good all the time, then no matter what, we can sing these songs. So all my days I've been held in your hands, even if. Psalm 139, 7 to 10 says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall hold me. The reality is when we look back at the brokenness of life, and most of us have had some measure of it, if we look back and say, I, I didn't get, I didn't get the childhood that you got. I didn't get the life experiences that you got. You need to know that Jesus has always been there. The fact that you're breathing is his sustaining presence in your life. The fact that you are here and you've got a sense of his love, a sense of his kindness. It's the fact that he held you in the midst of the, the sinful fallen world around us is wrapped in stealing, killing, and destroying. That is not what God planned for us. But God holds us through it, and he carries us to a place where we can make a choice for him or against him. But he is always present. And when we're leading people through healing prayer, and, and many of you have had it, we'll go into those memories, and we just ask the Holy Spirit to show us, like, where was Jesus in this? And God will always give some sort of a sense of he was there his love was there his compassion was there his mercy was there his comfort was there but this is a fallen world and so all my days i've been held in your hands no matter what no matter what when we can grasp that we're not anchored to what happened back there we're not anchored to that rape, that abuse, that failure. We're not anchored to it anymore because I know that he's held me through it and brought me to this point. So that has no hold on me anymore. I've been held in your hands. Where can I go? You know, when we read, like, sometimes we have these, like, ideas that everything should be just flawless and perfect, and then... You can read Paul's testimony of what his life was like. I've been through this, I've been through that, I've been whipped, I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked, I've been all these things that he's been through. Well, he was God's kid. Did he get what he deserved? Or is it not really about that? It's about the loving kindness of God and the fact that God held him and carried him through it. And Paul actually said, I, I, I'm, I want to know the fellowship of your sufferings. It's weird how it's not until you go through the hard stuff, it's the deep waters, that you understand why the apostles talk about the value of pressure and trouble and persecution and what it produces in us. It's because we get to know God better. There's a place. It's not that it changes him. It changes our ability to grab onto him and it breaks off the superficial stuff. I'm telling you every time that I have been able to have the privilege of walking with people as they're going through an end of life thing, you know, we're, we're in a hospital or we're standing for a miracle and it happens, but either way, Every time we're able to sing that song in those places, it is because the hope that is ahead of us. It's because we know that in either case, whatever happens, whatever the outcome is right now, we have hope. 
in whatever circumstance uh, product there might be, we know that there's a comforter that's available for us. We know that God's going to be there with us. We know that we're going to see our loved one on the other side. We know that in the midst of the, the, the temporal, like the verse we already heard this morning, that our, our lives are like a vapor. They just they come and they go. But we have an eternal picture that is deeper than that. And this is the gratitude of our souls. So all my days have been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. This, ver this phrase here lets us know that the whole verse is not about perfection. It's not about a perfect life. It's about presence. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will acknowledge your presence in the midst of it. And then it goes on to the chorus and it says, all my life you have been faithful. Again, what if it hasn't been a perfect life? He's still faithful. Nothing changes in who he is. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That verse right there is telling us that he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. It tells us that his faithfulness is who he is. It's part of his nature. It's part of his character. So even if, even if I mess up, even if the people around me mess up, even if things happen to me or things I've done to, to other people, even in the brokenness, he remains faithful. So yes, we can sing. And man, this is a life-giving phrase. When everything around me is stirred up and shaking and unpredictable, all my life you have been faithful. Yes. Wow, anchor point. Like this is your absolute thing to hang on to is this pure, pure truth. Second Thessalonians 3, 3 says, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. But the Lord is faithful. The word faithful, as it's used in the word here, is rooted in um, a word that is really rich. It's faithful is like such a, it's like such a simple uh, word for us. But faithful literally means trustworthy, stable, steady, trustful, and more specifically, truth. So faithful means truth when it's used in this sense. It means that I can be um, absolutely confident, not in what I'm able to do or my ability to stand or whatever. I'm confident that he is faithful. And therefore, if I'm anchored on the fact that he is faithful, he is truth. If he is faithful, then I can be full of faith. Yeah. Does that make sense? If he is faithful, then I can be full of faith. If I'm more dependent on my ability to grab onto his faithfulness and I have to understand all the promises and I need to know how everything works and I, it matters the outcome and whatever, I'm caught in, I don't even want to get my hopes up because I don't know if I have what it takes to produce. I don't know if I have the faith necessary. I don't know if I have, you know, what is, what is required to experience a miracle, whatever. In, in the goodness of God, he has given us this opportunity to know that he is faithful. So I am full of faith in his faithfulness. 
and I'm going to let myself off the hook and the people around me off the hook and the circumstances around me off the hook. And I'm just going to feast on his faithfulness, on the fact that he is truth, that he is trustworthy, that he is sure, that he is the anchor for my soul. And whether that means it's because I'm looking for a breakthrough for my business, I'm looking for a breakthrough for my marriage, or I'm looking for a breakout of prison, you know, whatever it is, he's faithful. He's worth focusing on. He's the one I can anchor my faith to. I am full of faith because he is faithful. It goes on in this chorus. It says, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Same thing. I may not have tasted of his goodness because I may not have been in relationship with him, but it doesn't change the fact that he was always good. Maybe my experience of what I thought was him came through somebody who was not good, came with somebody who was wearing, you know, a tie or a collar or a, you know, whatever badge of honor for religious piety. And the production that came out was not actually God. And so we've got a society that's full of people that are like, God's not good. I've seen what your God does. No, you saw what man does. And they stole his name to do it. But God is always good. Always good. And so when we sing this song, we need to sing it not from a place of our broken experience, but from the truth of who he is. And if we lean into this and we're anchored onto this, this changes our future. This changes our ability to grab onto who he really is. Straight up Psalm 34, 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Psalm 107, 8 and 9 is an interesting one. Because it says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Pause there. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Verse, um, verse 8 there separates, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. It tells us that his goodness doesn't necessarily have to be connected to the works. Well, I prayed for this and it didn't happen. I was looking for a miracle there and it didn't happen. I was looking for an answer there and it didn't happen. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. It is not stuff related. The things that he blesses us with, the things that he pours out in our lives, the opportunities that we get, the, the um, provision that he gives us, the, the way that he leads us and guides us and wisdom, these are all other things that we also can give thanks to him for. But he deserves thanks for his goodness just because he's good. Just because that's his nature. God, I thank you that you are good. We used to say Pentecostal circles all the time, God is good. No, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And it got to be this thing that people were like, oh my gosh. All the time, God is good. Are we, how many hundreds of times are we going to do this? The reality is it needed to be drilled into our heads that God is good all the time. Truly. And all the time, God is good. That there is this reality that he is good. The circumstances of my life might not look good right now, 
but he is good. And if I actually roll him into the circumstances, it becomes a problem. And if the circumstances don't change fast enough or how I want them to, suddenly I go, well, God's not good. I tried that. I prayed and it didn't happen. So take your God. This is, this is a wrong view of who God is. God is good and he gives good things to his kids. But he's good regardless. And some of the circumstances of life take time. And there's, there's things that are being worked out that we don't even know. God is working when, in ways that we can't even see. His timeline is maybe different than ours. His methods are maybe different than ours. But he is always, always good. We can't waver off that fact. We, we should be able to sit around our Thanksgiving tables this weekend and just be like, man, that God is so good. He is the God who holds the universe together. We are actually held together by the word of his power. The fact that I am not just a mass of cells up here floating around. I am literally, the word tells me, held together by his word. That, that literally, if they break down matter, they break down everything that is made on the earth, they break it down, they can find waves, sound waves that are in it because God spoke it and therefore it is. He is so good that he has maintained this flow where we see things that have been prophesied from thousands of years ago. God spoke it and we're seeing it happen now. He's so good, he literally holds time together and he walks it out for us. He sees the end from the beginning and he speaks it out. We're living in his goodness, the kind of God where we literally have people in this church who have died and come back to life again. He is a good God. He actually functions in the supernatural realm. He is good whether I'm eating craft dinner or whatever. It is good that he is God and I get to praise him. Right? Come on now. This is what we call to. This is deeper praise. This is higher praise. This is the place of thanksgiving that God calls me to. And the enemy of our souls would love us to focus on the car we're driving right now. He would love you to focus on whether you've got, you know, the, the, the bankroll that you wanted, if you've got the retirement plan that you wanted, if you're on the path that you thought you were going to be on. He would love you to focus on that. And God say, no. Focus on my goodness. Feast on my faithfulness. Trust me. Know me. I, I am not just choosing to be good. I am good. I am not just choosing to be merciful. I am merciful. I'm not choosing to be faithful. I am faithful. What a God we serve. This is who he is. All my life you have been so good. He is truth. He is faithfulness and he is goodness at all times in all situations on the mountaintop, yeah, that's where it's fun. In the valley, that's where it matters. How many of you have been through a valley in the last five years? Could you have made it through without him? Would you have made it through without him? No. Mountaintops, they're, they're all over the place. You can chase them. You can purchase them. You know, you can get to the right conference, the right thing, the right experience, whatever. We can have those mountaintop moments where we're seeking for God in those places, and it's so wonderful. But those valleys, when you are at the end of yourself, and you're like, I don't think I can get up tomorrow, 
And the still small voice speaks up and goes, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. It's no longer you who lives, but I'm living in you. That is worth everything. When we have these moments where we're like, oh my goodness, the price of gas is up another 20 cents in one week. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to feed our kids? How how are we going to do? What is happening with our government? What's happening with world situations? What's happening with the environment? What's What's happening? The still small voice is what gets you through that. When he's still the same God, yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, verse 2 says this. <laughs> we don't love this verse as much. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. And I remember singing the song, and it was like, I mean, we were coming out of the hymn days and into the chorus days, and this was a fun song. And like, there were drums in the church, which used to be sacrilegious, so that was a miracle. And um, it was a fun song, you know? Like, we would sing these songs. And I remember, like, as a teenager, it was, a, it was like one of my favorite songs because it was just, it was happy and it was fun, and like, God's always going to be with you, and I'm not going to be afraid, and don't be dismayed, and it's all so good, and God's always there, and then you, like, actually walk through the fire. And suddenly you're faced with the choice. Are you like the, the Jewish boys who when the king said to them, is your, is your God able to deliver you? And they said, yeah, he is. But if not, we still won't bow. See, the happy clappy, I'm going to go through the fire and it's not going to burn me. It's not going to scorch me. It's superficial until you go through the fire. The waters, you know, oh man, the waters are, I mean, we, we, we are so, like I'm sure if you're newer to church, some of our songs can get super weird because we're like, last week we sang Let It Rain and we talk about the, the river of God and then we're like, the floods will not overtake you and it's just sort of a weird use of water all over the place. But essentially there's like the, the water from heaven that is refreshing and life-giving and then there is the floods of the earth that seek to drown you. And it's like when the, the foolish man built his house upon the sand and the wise man built his house upon the rock and the floods rose. And those floods are seeking to destroy you. And those floods are the ones that God says, I'm gonna walk you through. So I love your voice, you have led me through the fire. Means. I have learned to love your voice because when the flames are all around, I am desperate for your voice. Do you know what a gift that is? Sometimes it's like when you're, I remember um, one of the trips I was on, missions trip, and I was, um, we had like no internet and no phone stuff, but every once in a while, the internet would flink on and I had a Blackberry and I could get through to Wayne. And the stuff that I was seeing and the stuff that I was experiencing was so overwhelming to my senses. I just needed to talk to somebody about it. And I mean, now I text him all the time. Like we're back and forth all day, every day. But like I never wanted to hear his voice so badly as when I 
was in this deep place and the sound of, I was hunting. I mean, I would check my phone all the time just to see if there was, there was enough signal to be able to get through. Like, could I, could I get his voice? I was looking for his voice. I was listening for his voice. Some of us, this is what the fires and the floods have taught us in this season. Maybe you didn't know how valuable the voice of God was until it was the one you just needed to hear. Like, let the sound, let the noise of life dissipate because I need to hear the voice of God. This is, this is why it comes together like this. Sometimes the fire, I believe, is there so that we can learn his voice. And we go through these things, and could God snap us out of it immediately? Yes, he does. He could. But there's also times that he leads us through it and teaches us the sound of his voice in the midst of it. And he, he doesn't allow these things to harm us long-term. It's not teaching us anything. God doesn't send it, but he will lead us through it. And particularly this verse, it actually says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. She goes on and she says in the song, I, in darkest night, you are close like no other. Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. In darkest night, you are close like no other. There is something that happens in those places, both the natural night and the spiritual night, that he is the only one that can get close enough to understand the thing that's going on in our hearts. The stuff that we don't have words for, the things that we don't dare say out loud, he is there walking us through us, carrying us through it. It goes on in this same passage, I've known you as a father and I've known you as a friend. And I know that this is difficult for some people because of maybe your father experiences weren't that positive, but we gotta remember that Father God is the Father of lights where every good and perfect gift comes from him. He is a good father and he is the very nature of one who accepts, loves, protects, provides, listens, loves, disciplines, guides, and instructs. We get the picture of him in the prodigal son or the story of the two sons in his nature that is there to pour out lavishly. It's the stuff when Jesus is teaching us how to pray and he's like, you know, don't, don't get all bent about the practical stuff. Your father already knows you need those things. And he's into the relationship. The basics of provision, this is, this is just who the Father is. It's the spirit of adoption that we have, that we're not trying to earn our way into his favor, but we just receive the gift of adoption. I've known you as a friend. One of the things that I think is really sad about like church history is when the holiness of God and the fear of God became this really high thing to, to fixate on. And the word of God was separated off from the people. And all they heard about was how, like how holy he is, that there needs to be fear of God, that there's judgment, that there's, there was this, this separation of the love of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God. There was a, there was a gap. And so now in this moment of history, we get to know that God's actually invited us in to be the friend of God. 
that we get to know him in a way that is relational and loving and kind. John 15, 15, Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Psalms 18, 24 describes him as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Tells us that this song, this phrase, I have lived in the goodness of God, is on the tail end of that. I have known you as a father. I have known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. Is that living in the goodness of God is living in relationship. It's so incredibly precious. Living in the goodness of God means that we're never alone. It means literally, whatever we're facing, whatever we've been through, whatever we're headed into, we are never, ever alone. And then, of course, the bridge is, your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after me. And I want to just have the worship team come. We're going to sing this from a place of depth. I want you to see on this bridge, your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. And then it goes on with my life laid down. I'm surrendered now. If God is that good, this is the only valid response. If God is this good, this is the only valid response. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. This place of God, I'm yours. My present is yours. My future is yours. I commit my past to you. I am surrendered. I'm living this life with you. And the fact that you are in this life with me means that no matter what, I can praise. I will praise. I will choose to praise. It's a deeper kind of praise. It's not about just the superficial. It is that if everything is going right, I will praise. If everything is going wrong, I will praise. In the high spots, in the low spots, in everything in between, you will not fail me. Your mercy is there. Your kindness is there. Your goodness is there. You are a father. You are a friend. You are the one who is walking me through and chasing me down with your goodness. And so I am going to take my eyes off the temporary and anchor my gratitude, not on the stuff that I have, but the one who is the source of all things. He is the giver of life. He is the one who deserves it all. Let's stand together this morning. And just as we close today, I want to just pray over us. I, I actually believe that there's some who, this has been a season of great trauma and disappointment in some areas. And it's actually compromised the way you're engaging him. And today I'm believing for a reset for all of us, like a deep kind of faith, a deep kind of love, a deep kind of gratitude no matter what. This is actually
the way that we experience the goodness of God is by choosing to believe it. It's the way we experience the faithfulness of God by choosing to believe it. It's the way we experience the mercy of God by choosing to believe it. We won't see it or experience it if we're focused on the temporal the temporal response to what's going on on the inside. And so God, today we are just so very grateful. We are so grateful for who you are. The God who was, who is, and who is to come. The Alpha and the Omega. The Father of Lights. The Master of the Universe. The friend that sticks closer than a brother the healer, the provider, the wisdom, the comforter, the kindness and the compassion, the one who is gracious, the one who is powerful beyond belief, but gentle and kind, the one who never leaves us or forsakes us, the one who holds us in the palm of his hands, the one who wants to reveal himself in so many ways. And God, today I just pray over this assembly, every place where disappointment or discouragement or frustration has come in and it has damaged the vessel in some way. God, we repent of picking that up and we release it to you. And we ask that your healing would flow into those areas. We choose purposefully today to focus on your faithfulness, to focus on your goodness. Lord, that we, we can sing this song with hearts that are clear before you. There's nothing in the back of our minds that's saying, yeah, but, but this happened, but that we choose to release this to you today, God. Any and everything that is contrary to our freedom to praise, we release it to you, God, and we do just say, even when, even when things aren't perfect, you're good. When things are perfect, you're good. When things are in the valley, you're good. When we're on the mountaintop, you're good. When we're going through the fire and the flood, you're good. When we're, when we're floating in the river of your blessing, you're good. God, whether the feast around our table this weekend is bountiful or it's minimal, you are good. You are our provider and you are our source. And God, we choose you. I pray that this weekend would be a shift even in households, that there would be such a draw towards your presence, that we would recognize the value of your presence in our lives in every circumstance. I pray for those that are grieving this fall. I pray that your presence would be so very real and so very tangible, that you would be the guest at the table, God, that you would be the one who is the, the, the very present help in times of trouble. For those that are celebrating, God, I thank you that you are our glory and the lifter of our head. You are the joy that is there, God. I thank you for being all things at every table, in every home, in every gathering. And Lord, we declare that we live in your goodness. We love you, Lord. And we declare, according to your word, your mercy never fails us. And we say thank you today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. 
I thank you for every person here. I thank you for every person that's watching online. I thank you for the value of their life. I thank you, God, that they are seen by you and known by you and loved by you. I thank you, God, that you know the very breath in their lungs that comes from you and you've known the the number of hairs on their head, God. I thank you that you know their thoughts afar off before they even speak them. I thank you that you know them. And God, I pray that they would feel that love and choose to offer an offering of great gratitude. And we thank you for the release of it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.